Welcome back to the Healthcare Insight Podcast. I'm Eric Silverman. And I'm Jane Crosby. Thanks for joining us again. It's been a while. We had an exciting, it has been a while, we had an exciting uh, interview with Christine Albert from, from LCMC Health. Uh, it was really fun. Yeah, I agree. She talked a lot about a lot of interesting things she's doing at LCMC Health as well as at ShishMed. Um, and I think a lot of actionable takeaways, both from a marketing strategy standpoint and a professional development standpoint too. I don't know about you, Eric, but one thing I really liked that she talked about was using this idea of marketing data to drive decision-making and looking at the lifetime value of the patients that they're acquiring as a marketing team. She talked about women's health specifically and how they really need to focus on the patients that they have because within your markets there's a finite universe of patients and really looking at the ones that have already engaged with you is a really key opportunity when you think about driving growth across your service lines. Absolutely. I, I thought that was that was really interesting. I think she pointed out some insights for some assumptions that it was easy to make, right? But but that had kind of borne out through the data to, to, to not necessarily be true. I mean, no, no spoiler alert here, but I thought there was some really interesting kind of service line level perspective that, that she brought to bear as well. Yeah, I agree, especially around OB services and pediatrics and the connection between the two. And I really like her view on how they communicate marketing performance to the C-suite and clinical leadership and making sure that they're bringing data that those different stakeholders can really understand as they're trying to advance their position as marketers. Yeah, really, really good stuff. You know, the other, the other thing that, that stood out to me, um, we talk with a lot of our guests about this moment in time for healthcare and how the, the consumer dynamic has changed in a way that consumers are looking to hospitals and health systems in a significant way compared to what they would have historically. And you know, I, honestly, I think a lot about, well, what, what do we do with that? How do we capitalize on that? But one of the things that Christine brought to bear, which I thought was really interesting and, and illuminating, was you know, hospitals have earned that place in consumers' minds. And, and to me, even just thinking about that little change, it opens us up this idea of thinking about how to be a good steward of that place in a consumer's mind and connect with consumers from a place of trust and um, verifying in information and validity rather than, you know, what, what is kind of my natural tendency, which is to think about like, okay, how do we leverage this trust from an opportunity standpoint? Maybe equally important, but an, a meaningful kind of shift in how we kind of think about that consumer behavior piece. Yeah, I agree. It was interesting. And I think LCMC has done a great job of humanizing their brand too. And the way she talks about that is really interesting for those of you who are in markets like New Orleans that might respond well to quirky and fun. Um, I think she has insights into how to make that come to life in, in marketing strategy. She talked a lot about what she's doing with ShishMed too. And there's some exciting stuff going on. You know, one piece that she mentioned that we didn't spend much time on is the mentorship program they have. I've seen so much turnover across our client base and across healthcare marketing over the last year and a half or so with a lot of people coming into new roles from outside of healthcare and I think their mentorship program can really help some of those people who are who are new to the space really get accustomed to what we're trying to accomplish what's working well and some of the trends and resources at their disposal so I thought that was an interesting one to check out. Great, great perspective and a great interview with Christine Albert. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed hosting it. Let's get into it. Welcome to Insight, our podcast and video series. Today, we're joined by Christine Albert. 
Christine, thanks for being here. The Chief Marketing and Experience Officer for LCMC Health, which is a six hospital nonprofit healthcare system based in New Orleans. You're doing a lot in differentiating the brand and marketing strategy that's delivering growth and, and impacting the organization and its people. I know that you're on a mission to create coordinated stress-free experiences that drive engagement and advocacy. You're also a board member of the AHA Society for Healthcare Strategy and Market Development, SHUSHMED. We're super excited to, to talk to you about that today and active in, in several professional and civic organizations. You got your master's in public policy degree from the George Washington University, bachelor of arts degree in mass communications and French from Loyola University in New Orleans. Christine Albert, thanks so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. Well, we're, we're excited to talk. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about what's going on at LCMC Healthcare. Well, I think like a lot of our peers in healthcare, it's just continuous change, which keeps it interesting and keeps everybody on the team um, you know, on our toes as we navigate a um, pandemic recovery, merger and acquisition, and overall just thinking more about how can marketing and communications as a function really have that seat at the table to drive overall strategy. It's nice, I feel like we sit in the sweet spot of understanding consumers, the MarTech stack kind of sits within our purview. And so taking all of that intel and creating really differentiated, in our case, to really um, human experiences to, um, to satisfy those consumer needs, but also differentiate you as an organization. So, you know, I was, I was talking to another colleague about this in, in recent weeks. There's two forces that, that collide right now. One is, you know, more than ever in our history, consumers are looking to, to healthcare organizations for the truth and for, for perspective. So, so all eyes are on us. And then also maybe more than at least any time in, in my, my time in healthcare, the executive suite of the organizations are really focused on how do we as marketers connect with kind of pent up demand, um, backlogs of volume, addressing competition. Tell us a little bit about your perspective on how all that's, how all that's manifest in this, in this forever changed environment. Yeah, I mean, easy answers, right, to complex questions. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I wish I had those. Um, but no, I think that the universal, what you just described, is what we're facing as an industry. And I think COVID really showed a couple of things and some key takeaways, and maybe we should have realized if it became a lot clearer during that time is that um, providers, as well as hospitals and systems, really are trusted. So when people needed information and they weren't sure what to do, that's who they were looking to. And there are lots of you know, other sources like government, local, national, et cetera. But we really saw that trust. And so really we've earned that trust and having that connection with our communities really came through at that time. So really understanding kind of the power and the connectivity that's uniquely human that comes, I think, with that time. And then um, something that we saw as well is that we really can flex as, a, um, as an entity or as an industry. Healthcare maybe hasn't always been on of the leading side of digital tools, technology, things that make things easier for consumers. And so I think COVID kind of created that necessity of changing because we had to, and we did it. We did it really quickly. And so how do we keep that mindset of rapid change and that consumer first mentality? You know, you hit on something that, that you know, shame on me that it hadn't really occurred to me in the way that you said it, but, but I think it's really meaningful. You know, I think about kind of all eyes are on us because of external circumstances. So, so what do we do from a communication standpoint? But one of the points that you make or, or hint at is that we really earned that trust through our behavior during this time of change. And so it's a question of how we, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but, but how we honor and steward that in a way that remains super authentic rather than 
how do we address this thing that has happened to us? And, and I think that authenticity piece and stewardship, well, that connects back to the, the mission piece in your bio, right? The creation of a stress-free and authentic experience. Talk, talk about that and, and what it means to you. Yeah, no, that's, I think, the thing I'm most passionate about. I think our organization is as well. But you hit on it that really the um, we've got that trust with the people in the communities we serve. So just building on that and deepening that even more is really the opportunity there. And um, really having this human focus or human brand strategy. And I think for us as an organization, we had gone through a brand process prior to this and really pivoted a lot and it was focused on having the best people. And for us, really, that was defined as people who are um, fun, quirky, unique, celebrating that about them, in addition to the things you expect from, say, providers or hospitals, you expect people to be qualified, you expect them uh, to have gone to medical school and residency. So those are kind of table stakes, and that's an expectation. I think for us, what goes beyond that to be kind of more extraordinary is just celebrating those unique people, connecting on that human level. And we found that that brand strategy worked for us pre-COVID, um, but then when COVID hit specifically, that's where we really leaned into that. And it looked and felt a lot different than what you saw across the country. So for example, um, everyone was talking about hand hygiene, social distancing, you know, kind of following all the CDC protocols and reiterating those communications. And so we did that as well, but how we framed that, how we packaged the communication was built around connecting with people in this authentic way. Um, and so being based in New Orleans, you can have a little more fun, maybe. You have license to have fun and our brand gave us a lot of license to have fun. So we looked at that from a, a communication perspective and created a vaccination community facing campaign in partnership with our city partners that was celebrating um, with a second line. So we positioned vaccination as something really to celebrate, a cause for celebration. We had environmental design as an extension of our brand strategy. So we had little floor decals that said things like, you know, social distance doll and don't stand so close. And so it played on kind of the vernacular of the city. So rather than being something scary or stale that you kept hearing over and over again, it was colorful. It used words that people were comfortable with and they understood. And so it just kind of created this, um, what could have been a really high stress moment for people created one of like connection and comfort. Christine, I've had the pleasure of working with your team a little bit on some content initiatives this year. And I've noticed that come through in all of your content that your authentic, fun, quirky, that human brand component that you talk about comes through a lot. When we think about generating alignment with the C-suite around marketing initiatives, was that challenging for you at all to implement? And how did you get their buy-in to be quirky and fun in your external marketing efforts? Yeah, that's a hard one to put in front of a C-suite and say, CFO, COO, CEO, uh, want to sell you on the value of quirkiness. Um, but I think that kind of colorful and human um, approach worked because we didn't want to look like everybody else. We also didn't think that we were like everybody else. And so it was a lot of times on the tactical extension of that. So we had a lot of research and data sitting behind this. Um, but an example would be using that COVID kind of communication is creating an amazing experience. So we stood up, like many people, a uh, convention center vaccination operation. But again, the whole thing looked totally different. So rather than having just kind of a sterile environment, um, bright yellows, purples, colors, as you walked in, uh, we had masks with smiley face and they were in a bright yellow mask. And so that became kind of like a symbol for a lot of the city. We saw thousands of people walk through that. It was a great experience. You're in and out in 20 minutes at most. Everyone uh, was super friendly and warm. So that kind of became um, the brand brought to life through this incredible experience that was our vaccination center. And then as you saw people around New Orleans, when people were wearing the yellow mask, it was kind of like um, 
like a special club, you're like, okay, I know you were vaccinated too at the convention center. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of became this inside thing and that um, kind of runaway um, positivity around the experience. Again, for people at a stressful time, um, I think we had about 85% share of voice on social for about six months. And it was just people organically posting their experience when they got their vaccine and just sharing how, how much they enjoyed it, which when you think about healthcare, very rarely can you talk about how much you really enjoyed and had a great time and wanted to share that moment. So it was those kinds of touch points and really generating that value that I think our C-suite um, in general saw that and started, started to buy in more and saw the value of thinking about how to differentiate your experiences, even down to those, even down to the mask and what that looks like can make a difference. Well, so just a comment. I want to talk about the masks for a second. I mean, I like the kind of subtle solidarity of the yellow mask with a smiley face, but the mask with the smiley face is just a really great idea. I mean, just, you know, anecdotally, one of the things that I noticed in all the social distance and masking, there is kind of this lack of emotiveness and sense of disconnection that came from so much of that. So, I mean, even just the little thing of like, behind this mask, I'm really smiling. I mean, I think it it's a subtle thing, but a, but a really meaningful one if you're in the business of, of human connection. I, I love that idea. And I'll be drawing smiley faces on all my masks now. I don't know why that didn't occur to me before before this moment, but it's definitely, definitely happening. So that's, that's going to be good. So, you know, when you think about this connectivity to, to the C-suite, and and the business of healthcare. That's that's the other the other piece of the well, one of many pieces. But the kind of two intersecting variables that that I'm thinking about are just how much attention we have, as marketers have gotten from the executive realm of healthcare. That's about how do we how do we translate this to to the bottom line, and and that for for all good good purposes around um, supporting the organization and getting people back to good health, as well as the kind of margin of an organization to support its mission. But those two things are very often in conflict, the humanism of what we do and the economics of what we do. Tell us a little bit about kind of your view on how those two worlds intersect well. Yeah, no, I definitely think there, there's a lot of overlap and that's I think where we're finding a lot of value and also kind of the joy in the creative process here is that by taking that time to have that human, warm, compassionate, kind of differentiated brand, we're seeing direct results to the business bottom line. So not just through COVID, but in the past 18 months, um, we've seen a significant increase, double digit, statistically significant increase in um, kind of the brand funnel metrics. So what you look at traditionally, as well as in our HCAP scores, which we know directly connect to a lot of those brand attributes, as well as our share of market. So really starting to connect the dots and that's what our team does around the storytelling of, you see the mask, you see the social, you see all of these things but let's show you how these things are connecting to the business bottom line or the metrics that matter to a C-suite and understanding what those are. So we've, we've really threaded the needle well on that. Another example of something, and that's a little bit of how to bring that brand strategy into the business world is things that show up and they feel warm and human, but there is a reason why we're doing it. Um, we've started to humanize all of our physician bios. So like I shared, we wanted, you expect your physician to have gone to medical school and uh, pass their boards and kind of all those things, but um, really having that connection as you're looking for a provider and somebody you trust and you want to entrust your care to. So a lot of our bios now have that information, but really we're focused on short videos from them, um, even examples like our pediatricians that might share their favorite school supply or hobby or ice cream flavor, just things that help you connect and feel like you know that person. 
And so that feels fun. It's the extension of our brand strategy, but we're seeing a 50% increase in organic views. We're seeing about a 23% in conversion to appointments. And then that translates to revenue. So now all of a sudden something that feels warm and fun and brand aligned and more communications oriented has a lot of connectivity to the business. And you know, for that very modest investment in time and, and resources, just to put a little more thought into those provider bios across our system, we're really delivering there. So really being able to tell those stories and make those connections is what's driving a lot of those aha moments for us with the C-suite. And then the aha moment often is, okay, can you do more of that? And so then you have a different seat at the table to say, so glad you, you asked, I've got two more things I wanna pitch you. So kind of each win helps creates an opportunity for the next win. I mean, it's a really crisp example of how to create what, what I would think of as kind of an intangible metric of the humanism of messaging to some really hard metrics, which is, I mean, if you're seeing in, in incredible gains in, in organic and then incredible gains in conversion metrics tied to that, that change, I mean, it makes wonderful sense. And, and congratulations on being able to distill it into the performance data that you have. Yeah, it's more of the attribution reporting to your question of connecting the value of marketing and communications when it comes to those C-suite conversations. For many peers, I think for us as well, we're really driving around attribution reporting. So we're trying to understand what works and what doesn't work. So we can also do a lot of testing, A-B testing, message testing, um, seeing what is driving conversion calls and really having a lot of a lot of driving down into the detail and then looking at the overall patient experience. So a lot of times marketing gets asked to support a service line or support providers. Uh, we're really trying to drive more around the holistic experience, which is to say, we'd love to help you do it. Let's take a step back and look at what is that patient experience and journey look like today? Um, are those calls being answered? Are we, do we have online scheduling appointments available? What does that look like before we even progress? And so in that sense, also we're trying to drive and be more of a strategic partner. So it's, it's always a yes and, but let's take a step back and look at what's happening today. What do you really need? And then where can we help you? And kind of trying to shift that conversation from marketing. I just need, you know, insert the thing, digital ads, the classic billboard, the other items um, that people are used to and really trying to drive more around the, the strategy. And um, sometimes I think what's interesting for folks is really the how much technology is sitting behind everything we do. So also trying to bring people along on the uh, we're not just telling you this, we can see all of these things happening and it's magic behind the scenes and um, we understand consumer behavior and we're here to help you distill that. Yeah, that's a really good point. It sounds like you've made a lot of progress. One of the things I feel like I've seen over the last 24 months, Christine, is that the C-suite is becoming more and more educated on marketing metrics and what we're actually doing behind the scenes. And I'm curious what's worked for you to educate the other side of the table, whether it be the C-suite or clinical leadership on why you're making the decisions that you are, why you need to invest in attribution experiments and really understanding what moves the needle. It's interesting. It depends on the audience and kind of, of course, what they care about and what motivates them. And everyone's a little bit different. Um, but oftentimes, and especially recently, we've been able to see during COVID in particular and after really a strong desire for online scheduling and virtual health. And so just seeing that consumer behavior on our website, we've been able to take that back to our clinical leadership and leaders and just say, if we spent zero dollars and all we did was open up X percent more online scheduling availability or telehealth, you could make X billion. So we're starting to present that as an opportunity cost. And so that's also been a game changer in terms of that when you say things like, if I spend $0, you can still make X million, then you've got people's attention and they wanna know, well, how or why? 
And then it allows you to drive a conversation that's more about operational transformation, which is really what we're looking to do. That makes great sense. And, and, and it certainly speaks to the, the opportunity to kind of lead with the insight and then kind of use that as the, as the building block for, for other opportunities that, that you see in, in the organization. Uh, and that, that resonates with me very much. When you think about the, the toolkits and, and kind of how to go about some of the things that we're talking about today, you mentioned in some of our preparatory discussion, this certainly extends for you well beyond what you're doing at, at LCMC. You're doing some interesting things as a Society for Healthcare Strategy and market development as well to try and empower marketing leaders around the country. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, really excited about this partnership with AHA, uh, with Schuschmidt and also with Monogal did a kind of first of kind partnership to bring some really comprehensive research insights to um, help your organizations and their leaders through something called humanizing brand experience. That's available on the Schuschmidt site for free so you can download it. And highly recommend it because it's really a deep dive into this really human focused brand strategy and understanding deeply what consumers want and how you can help address that and using that data to guide your strategy and tactics. So that's all about kind of building how to build back and rebuild that trust and bring people back into healthcare since we know there's a lot of delayed healthcare during COVID and really rebuild that business. But creating this, you know, human experience has never been more critical. And it's not just for LCMC Health, but that's just healthcare in general to our success. Um, and how everyone does it looks a little bit different. Every organization is different and their strengths are, but really being able to hone in and understand how to create that experience within what's important to you and your community. Can't speak highly enough of those um, insights and really the clarity that came out of this research. Talked about 30,000 consumers across the country and there's a ranking of about 200 plus brands. So you can also see like organizations, aspirational organizations and dive, dive into all those insights. Admittedly, I haven't spent much time with that report yet, Christine, but I'm really excited to do it. It sounds like a fantastic resource, and I've been really impressed overall with what Shishmed has made available to the healthcare marketing community over the last year and a half or so. Um, one of the things I've always observed about your organization, especially having had the chance to work with your team a little bit this year, is that you do a great job of managing vendor relationships. Out of anybody I've worked with, your team is responsive. Vendors always know where they stand, what's expected of them, um, and that's really unique. Can you talk a little bit about what both Shishmed does to foster vendor-client relationships and your philosophy at LCMC, too, on how you leverage those partnerships to add the most value for your organization? Sure. And I think the word that you use there is the word I prefer, which is partner or partnerships. So really taking the word vendor out of the equation and thinking about those people that you work with um, just as extensions of your team. So really looking for partners in the industry who can help you either scale your existing team or resources, um, bring on new skills or opportunities, and just kind of get there faster, be smart, and uh, move quickly, hopefully with speed to action on those things. And so having those good vendor partners, I think it's only fair to have that, that good back and forth like you would with any other peer, which is to have a clear ask, to be respectful, uh, but so that everyone always knows where they stand. And so you can have this kind of this give and take and this good relationship. And then... Um, I think we've done a really good job with the Shishman as well, where we recognize that some of the organizations are looking for partners really to get the work done and to do it well. And so take that same kind of philosophy of wanting them to be at the table. Um, but I think also my like personal philosophy is basically I look at those partners we work with as people you have to know and trust. And you know, if you're ever applying for a job or a conference or something else, like I would like to think that I could call them up and say, hey, I need a, I need a reference for the speaking engagement or something else that I'm doing. And having that level of comfort in relationship where 
those are people you could call like you with any other peer or colleague and just having it be at that level. So it's perfect perspective. I'd love to, to maybe kind of pick your brain about tools and insights. You know, to tell us a little bit about some of the tech and tools that are that are maybe a surprise or or most meaningful to you. You talked to us about some of the attribution modeling, but 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 help us think about some of the tool sets that maybe we haven't already looked at or should be looking at to, to be successful. That's a good question because there's so much out there, so many things. And I know we all, in general, people get excited about tools and techs and apps, and there's a lot out there. Um, you know, I think that goes back to, you know, future facing, looking at the next few years is really embracing digital experiences overall. And so tech is underlying all of that. But at the same time, a lot of us have some of the same stuff. So a lot of the work that we're doing is revolving around our electronic health record. For a lot of folks, it's epic. Um, you know, they're really few in the market. So if we're having more and more of the same things, I think what the differentiator here is that it's your team and your lens on how you use those tools and technology. So really understanding that um, it's that human, it really needs to benefit the people who are on the receiving end. So it's one thing to have a cool app, but if no one's using it and they don't benefit from it, then really, is it innovative? Do we need this technology? So that's kind of how we view a lot of the tech pieces that we look to work with is how is this really driving a really positive, easy to use turnkey experience for the people who have to use it. And then let's focus on that. From the, the MarTech side, a CRM tool has been invaluable for our team just to understand who are our patients, who are our prospects and to elevate those insights. Again, understanding deeply the people you serve is kind of a sweet spot for marketing to sit in. So you can talk about that and you can see their behaviors across digital and you can talk about that as well. And then we're doing a lot of attribution reporting so we can understand with a lot of detail the actions people are taking in the virtual and in the real world. And that helps us understand sometimes what's working, we need to do more of it, and also what's not working. And oftentimes it's it's not a marketing thing. It might be a, oh, there's some pain points along this operational journey, let's help fix that. So that's been the most um, valuable, but also the most kind of unifying. But then you, you've got your providers at the table, you might have IT. Um, or clinical departments, and you can kind of share that and it creates an aha moment and often creates kind of a scary moment of people going, wait, how do you know what they did? Are you telling me when I call or when I click from my phone, people can see what I do? Like, yes. So that kind of goes back to the education of here's how and what we can see and, um, you know, relax. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's also compliant. Everyone can do this, but just kind of that, that connection to um, that deep understanding of action and what's driving it. Well, I think it's a it's a beautiful point that you make about the opportunity to leverage tech, which is often seen as kind of a little less about human connection, but but leveraging that to kind of finding the opportunities to ease the consumer experience or communicate communicate better, which I think is certainly the highest and best use of of the tech that that we can can take advantage of. But let me ask you the same question kind of on the on the personal level. You know, of course there's Shushmed, of course there's healthcare insight podcast and three key insights video, but what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are the resources out there from a professional development standpoint that that we should all uh, take a look at? Yes. I mean so many good ones you've named clearly two of my favorites. Um, I also love Adam Grant. I enjoy reading him. I like listening to his podcast. I feel like he kind of distills things in an kind of organizational development kind of way that can be directly applied and make a lot of sense. So that's a, that's one that I always go to for kind of the big ideas and um, kind of more thought-provoking things and less healthcare specific. 
but just more kind of leader or manage, manager oriented, there is a podcast called Manager Tools. And I often recommend that to my team members or folks who are moving into leadership roles for the first time, because it's a little prescriptive. Their little nuggets are usually 20 or 30 minutes, but there are whole sections about coaching your team, first time leadership, 360. But anything you wanna delve into, there's a podcast for that. And the degree of specificity there is also really, um, really helpful in the, the breadth of content. So it's something you can use immediately. And so love that combination of some of the bigger picture ideas and then some, some content you can put to use immediately. I love it. I hadn't heard of that one actually. I'll be sure to be sure to check that one out. It's great. Christine, one of the things you talked about is attribution modeling. And I get really excited when I hear our clients and, and healthcare marketers talk about that, but a lot of them really don't know how to do it. And it is really, really challenging. Do you have any insight around what's worked well for your team as you work through attribution modeling projects? Yeah. And I'll share with you kind of where we are in this. And I sometimes I'm hesitant to like plug a vendor, although they are partners, um, but we're using a tool called Dialogue Tech. And so basically on the back end, we're just looking at, um, you know, every digital and every phone call touch point. Um, and we see reporting down to the clinic level. So we're just training our ops folks on this. You can tell me how you want me to kind of replay this back to you. But so we're using that tool and our digital insights basically on a monthly basis, we provide some reporting, but we're also training the clinic managers and frontline staff to be like, hey, you're not answering the phone, which is why you maybe like just pick up the phone. There were 500 calls this month. We know about, you know, the benchmark in the industry is 30% will become, are seeking appointments. The rest may be prescription refills or other things. But um, so now we're, we're doing that. And so we're able to see calls to conversion, um, how we're doing compared to industry benchmarks. And so we're maybe six months into that. So it's still kind of high on the education side of things, but um, just even using that tool that syncs up all of those touch points in an easy way to see. It's not easy to use. You actually have to spend time doing it. But um, does that kind of answer what you're, yeah, it does. That's great. Thank you. One of the things I'd love to, to hear a little bit about is um, kind of how you think about new customer acquisition versus same store growth and, and cross-sell. You know, so many of our clients right now are very, very focused on capturing pent-up demand um, it, for elective volumes. And, and then also this kind of opportunity to capture market share in an increasingly competitive environment. How are you guys looking at that challenge and, and where do you see the opportunities? Good question. I know there is this pent-up demand, but maybe it's not surprising that people are, consumers are not super eager to re-engage with healthcare. And I think that's understandable coming out of a pandemic. And if they've gone this long, unless you really have to be in the hospital, maybe you won't. And you'll, you'll put, put that off for a little bit longer. So the things we're finding early, how do you deepen or get that trust back from consumers? And some of that is really clearly telling them what to expect before they come. So this is kind of wrapping the human into the operational component of um, what you can expect in the waiting room, masking, hand washing, kind of all those things like what we're doing, what we're asking of you. So really trying to have that clear communication just creates comfort. It takes the ambiguity out of the experience and that helps to, to keep that trust and get folks back. And then we're also doing a lot of, um, I'll call it more of a nurturing friendly reminders. So those people who have not come back for their just annual physicals or annual women's health exams, we know that we need to see those folks through the door um, because if you wait too long, then there might be some more serious consequences there. So we've implemented some fun things like um, a birthday uh, email campaign. So again, kind of causes for celebration, a message from your provider and less of the scary come back, we've missed you, but more of a reason to celebrate of we've missed you in a positive way. We want to see yeah. your face. 
click here to call, click here to schedule. And so we're seeing a good response to that. Um, I do have to share as well, when we had our COVID vaccination um, effort, we saw a lot of new people, about 50% of the people through that vaccination event were not patients of ours. And so we sent follow-up emails to them a day after their vaccination, just to say, how you feeling? These may be some signs and symptoms, you know, things you might feel after. If you need anything else, here's our nurse hotline. And then we sent another message about a week later, just to kind of check in. And we found the response rate to that was enormous. The open rate was triple what we typically see. And we saw a lot of new patients who actually took us up on the offer to, to schedule an appointment with a primary care provider and follow up. That's wonderful. That's a great, that's a great success. Congratulations on, on that piece of the puzzle. And in an environment where I don't know that I really perceived the level of kind of opportunity that, that, that comes out of that too for new relationship development. So good job capitalizing on that. It's great. Or at least giving people the information they want, I think is what we learned when they need it, as opposed to just trying to push stuff out throughout the year. Because they're like, oh, we just need more email. Like, no, yeah. we just need the right message at the right time <laughs> when people want it. Yeah, and one thing I forgot to mention that there's a setup for that is there, um, there is something new from Shishmed and it's a mentorship program. So that might be something of interest and you can tell me it's, there are two options. They've introduced something called Flash Mentorship, which is a one-time meeting where you can go online and, and view the mentors available and request that kind of dedicated time once or a traditional six month program. And that's open to any Shishmed member. So if you wanna you know, get some new ideas, reinvigorate your career, make some connections, um, this mentorship program really is an exceptional way to, to do that and to, to meet with others in the industry and really um, take advantage of the time and resources you have available, whether it's one time or ongoing. That is a really, really neat opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning that. I know our listeners will be interested. Anything we missed? Um, I think we hit most of it. I think it's um, kind of back to your, you know, the overall insight of being the, uh, this forever change, but um, speaking in the C-suite, which I know is really a kind of a more functional thing to do, but I think the um, ultimate value of our, of marketing communications is we're good at articulating things and synthesizing and, you know, creating that clarity from complexity. And that's to be effective in an organization. You have to basically speak another, speak two languages, speak your language and speak that C-suite language. And Jade, I know you've mentioned that before, but that seems to be the missing piece of, if you can speak Excel charts, graphs, numbers um, to those people and distill your warm human mask, impact into those numbers, um, then you get people who are willing to invest, so. I think that's a really important insight as well. Just the idea that, you know, so many folks in our space do feel like it's, you know, two very different worlds, the world of marketing communication and the, and the world of the executive suite. But you raise a really important perspective, which is, you know, the reason we're all in this is because we're really great communicators and, and nothing happens if you can't communicate the value behind what you're sharing. So we may have more of a head start than we give ourselves credit for when it comes to the kind of demands of the current environment, right? Exactly. Yes. That's we're great. uniquely situated to be successful. Sure. I love it. Christine Albert, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really fun to have this dialogue. Thanks. My pleasure.